You live from Super Tuesday 2020. Listen, listen to the weekend. Watching results for your mind. Gotta wait for this drop. Yeah, we were saying. The weekend era. Basically, all the all the hip-hop, all the pop music, very little doesn't sound like this to some degree. Cannot be like traced back, like texture, the textures and the aesthetics of it. Like the Billie Eilish. Yeah. Totally. The Billie Eilish, like that, like, and all like the... Dude, I honestly just did what I said I do when I don't know an artist where I just agree. Oh, you just did? I you just did. did that. I've never, I actually know Billie Eilish is big right now. I haven't listened to her whatsoever. Yeah, I've, I've, whatsoever. I've only done a little bit. I haven't done a proper deep dive, so I'm not an expert, but, you know, she has like this kind of like gloomy dark aesthetic is that true i think that's fair i have no idea i, I think it's fair i think people have also linked her to lana lana del rey okay which i you know I, I you know can she also has a big place in your heart yeah very close to my heart we can do a whole i could do multiple i could do an extended podcast i could have a dedicated lana podcast really because yeah. i delve into song by song but side project yeah no, we are two reluctant cogs two, just, yeah, yeah. A, <laughs> we have to start with the name two relu- reluctant cogs checking in yeah, what's the date? Should we start with that? Today? Yeah, what is the date today? March, th- oh, it's Super Tuesday. March, March, 3rd. March Tuesday, 3rd, March 3rd. Tuesday. Yeah, 2020. 2020. For uh, all those uh, future deep divers. For, yeah, all the future fans living in a socialist utopia, uh, we are here live. The moment, the, the moment. Yeah. The moment it started. Like, the revolution started today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when these California results come in, and in all likelihood, uh, our American Lenin will thankfully... <laughs> Bring us into the 20th century. Finally, yeah. finally, 20, we're 21st century no, socialism. 20th century. Yeah, that's where we're going with Bernie. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like he has. I don't know that he's really updated yeah. into the 21st. Century. Yeah, we were th- we were saying like when he read a Noam Chomsky book and when he was like in his 20s and he was like, "This is great. This is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna become a politician." And hasn't read anything else since then. No, has not has not been updated whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which like like Noam Chomsky. Oh, like he he can he's a good writer, I, good I speaker. Yeah, I've got I've got you it's know like, what's funny is I got totally my mom actually bought me like twenty Noam Chomsky books. <laughs> I, I watched an interview with him when I was like twenty. Yeah, and I was like, this guy gets it. Yeah, I'm trying to learn everything he's done. I never read one. Of books. <laughs> I read like three pages of one. I was like, this seems hard. Yeah, and well, you saved yourself from Bernie's fate. Yeah, I got the highlights. Yeah, now I, now I have a Chomskyite. Yeah, uh, running for in all likelihood that he's a Democratic frontrunner. Well, that's Trevor Stake. You know, we'll see. We'll see. That's he definitely is the front runner coming into t- Super Tuesday for sure. Yeah. And the question is, does he come out of Super Tuesday, you know, just cemented that, or is it all of a sudden become a neck and neck race? And see, this is a classic podcast problem right now because by the time people listen to this, the results will be known. Yeah. So we have to keep that in mind. Yeah. So, so let's are, not we, focus on those kind of minutia and talk about the the meta narratives. Yeah, the meta narratives. I mean, either way. So he's either. I mean, I guess just to catch up on where we were. A lot has happened in the Democratic primary. So 
we had a couple uh, fiery debates. I don't. Did we? I think we I did. Think talk we touched about, on them. We yeah. talked about Bloomberg getting torpedoed, right? Oh, the first one, yeah. And then he came back in the second one and had <clears throat> the most bizarre comment. He goes, "I'm surprised any of the other contestants, if you can call them that, even showed up to this debate, given how well I did last time." And then smile at the camera, like nobody laughed. No, no one no, laughed. Like what? It was like what? What? It was pretty painful. It was a pretty painful. One of the most bizarre things I've ever witnessed. He was trying. I think he was trying to own the fact that he got destroyed. And like kind of like, be like, haha, but I'm back. The worst debate performance of all time. Yeah, it was just so, and so bizarre. I think he was just trying to own it and like get ahead of it, but like did not craft the joke. And also, it was so out of place. They were like arguing about all sorts of other things, and then he like interrupted to say that. Yeah, he interrupted <laughs> to say that joke. And uh, while we're on the that actual debate, <laughs> uh, Pete Buttigieg talking over people in that debate was a real problem. Yeah, it was, it was a like total meme. It, yeah. Just like how, it, but in the previous one, he and Klobuchar sparring yeah. made Pete look bad. Yeah, uh, I thought in this one he cemented his status as a pretentious, arrogant. Like little punk, yeah. Like you know, young yeah. punk. Yeah. Even though he's older than me, exactly. but like young, he just like gives off that vibe. Of like you know, like that teenager who's yelling at you. You don't know about, yeah, and you're like, exactly. grow up, like yeah. go get a job, like yeah. come talk to me after you've paid taxes or Can something. I finish my sentence, and then maybe you argue with what I'm saying. Yeah, and just try to shout me down. Yeah, and the thing, and the worst part about the Buttigieg uh, doing that in the debate, like, uh, you know. Is he didn't have any zingers? It's like when he, when that when it he it's did like he gets it he gets it he gets the mic. Let's see the zinger. Yeah, and it's like we want a campaign where people aren't having a heart attack when they check their Twitter. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. everyone's just, just like, like uh, oh, yeah, we were needed to say right now the most like generic yeah the most generic like vanilla like Google search inspirational yeah. campaign rhetoric and like yeah. you know and. and and, and then regurgitated it when everything was focused on him. He like just stole the camera, stole the yeah. moment. Multiple times it's either that or it's like you know what people need to remember is we need to beat Donald Trump. And it's like thanks, Pete. <laughs> We're all on the same page at the Democratic primary. You don't need to ground us in this baseline truth yeah. that we're going to run it eventually against De- Donald Trump in the general election. Yeah, as if anybody doesn't realize that, yeah. Yeah, like there's anyone else on this Tom Steyer's like, oh, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> yeah, Tom Steyer's like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I have no idea. So uh, yeah, Tom Steyer also out. Yeah, so that's the thing. Pete, so now, yeah, Pete's out. Pete's that's out. He's gone. You know, he, I, you know, I'm not, sh- <coughs> it's so interesting, like. This is the last time we'll talk about him. Yeah, right? it's so like, interesting, yeah. Well, until he gets, unless Biden wins, and <laughs> unless Biden wins and nominates him as a cabinet secretary down the road, you know, I could see that. Well, what would you nominate him for? What well, that's that's what, you, what you, you have to imagine that's the trade because he dropped out, yeah. he dropped out, and he immediately was seen on the campaign trail with Biden in Texas. Hilarious. What do you, what do you see him as most qualified to do within the executive? I think plan? he'd like like secretary of like. I mean, he he's gonna he's like he's got his ego, so he can't take a minor secretary. Yeah, it has he's to be not like looking for an interior job. Yeah, no. or health and human services. No, yeah, no, no, no. Probably yeah. HUD. He really connects to like urban voters. You know? <laughs> I think he'd be great as like you know housing well, and urban development. Recall that he back in his city in diversity in South Bend. Bend. Yeah, that's the oh my god. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Well, so well, thank God we're done with the Pete phase. We're done with the Pete phase. We're also though done. it is so funny how. We can be so convinced of it as a possibility. Like the narratives get so are so, like, gri- gripping when you're in them that like just like you know pre Iowa, let's say Iowa, it's all of a sudden like Pete's 
a legitimate shot. I, I will. I at least I'll say I'll say it. I thought he had a legitimate thought, shot. I, and I promise, I you know that you get me on points all the time, and I can see and I say yeah. I was wrong about yeah. shit. And I like to think I can admit when I'm wrong, and I don't like to always be like I knew this was going to happen or be like that type of yeah. person. I never for a second believe in Pete. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen this in every primary, as have you, and I think people forget that primaries are all about these people cresting <laughs> yeah. and then falling back to earth. I remember the Republican primary where yeah. Newt Gingrich went on TV and said, <laughs> yeah. literally said in an interview in like 60 Minutes, he's like, well, I mean, if you're looking at the polls, in all likelihood, I'm going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> That's what Newt Gingrich said. I'm like, within three weeks, he was gone. Yeah. I think I maybe even said that last week. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. this shit happens on in every primary, and Pete was no different. There, he never had a path. Sort of, he a path never to- really had a path. Which Klobuchar I totally, never really had a path. yeah, and Klobuchar never really had a path. The day was always Biden v. Bernie. I I, I thought for sure it. that I was really convinced that he had a path, and you know, I guess I just was completely. You were buying the, I think you were buying the Beltway hype a little bit. Buying the Beltway hype, and also just like getting so glued in on the Iowa New Hampshire results because yeah. he led he led big he there. He, I mean, and how funny is that? Is that and like then this it, dude won Iowa and then immediately dropped out because it just and sec big big finish in. New Hampshire too. Big finish, I guess. Yeah, but it just goes to show you that like not everyone can be, do the Obama path. Right? Yeah. Like and and those states, you know, we, we give them a lot of shit for having that first place position. Yeah. And like, turns out they're not good bellwethers for. It. I mean, and, and thirty eight like, weights their election statistics yeah. based on who wins Iowa, which I think is hilarious because if you remember twenty sixteen when five thirty eight along with everyone else was calling like Hillary ninety nine percent and Ted Cruz won in Iowa. Yeah. You know, it's like. Maybe you guys should adjust your models. Maybe yeah. Iowa's not a great predictor. Yeah. Because the yeah. last these last previous two elections, Iowa yeah. hasn't been shit. And and yeah. Joe and we were shitting on Joe. We both were shitting on Joe. I know I was shitting on Joe in Iowa, New Hampshire, being like he's going to drop out, and then he turns around and comes second place in Nevada and first place, a resounding yeah, first place in South Carolina. And now, I'm and, now and now here we are and like. I mean, he's already won Virginia. He's won like, Virginia. That's, that's one of the results know. from tonight we see. North Carolina, I think, has been called yeah. him. Let's see what else we've got so up. I think he's expected to do on the South. I'll go ahead and stake my position right now, not knowing how this is going yeah. to turn out. Yeah. I do think Bernie's going to just stomp him out right, right now. But, I think so, tonight yeah. Bernie's going to stomp him out. So, yeah, yeah. I think... What I mean is not like that Joe is statistically going to be eliminated tonight, yeah. but that Bernie will have so many delegates, have so much momentum, it's only, and he already has the kind of like, organization yeah. in a way that Biden, frankly, doesn't. Yeah. Biden is not a populist. Biden hasn't even been campaigning in these states, and now he's got all the momentum from like the money and the establishment. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, yeah, and the other people, other moderates dropping out. Yeah, both exactly. So and, that's, that should boost him, but I, I don't think he has... You really do have to have, like, in this day and age, populist support, yeah. I, I believe. And, I, and he doesn't have that. Trump has that. Bernie has that. Yeah. I and thought Bloomberg <laughs> might have been able to generate it, but he just fell. Like, he stepped on a rake. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. The debates, <laughs> yeah. like, literally wiped him out. Yeah, he was a disaster. And I think he'll, you know, it's a kind of a shame because the amount of money he spent, Jesus. Can you imagine heart, if you were so bad at debating that within four hours of you talking in front of a camera, You've effectively neutralized the, you know, whatever billion dollars that you spent in your favor and buying credibility. Yeah. You've, you just wipe that out with two hours of conversation. Like, not even Trump can do that. Not even Trump, <laughs> Trump, <laughs> Trump, yeah. Trump does everything in his power to like to be like put uh, his foot in his mouth. Put yeah. his foot in his mouth. Literally every time he talks, Biden too. Yeah. Biden too. Biden can't put a sentence together yet. Somehow Bloomberg can just 
put words <laughs> in an order in such a way that well, he, and also just give off the vibe oh, of the vibe. the vibe of just oh my god yeah old yeah yeah, Brutal. so anyway, so that's that's super Tuesday. I, I'm that's a little skeptical going. of the of the Bernie stomp. What do you think narrative? I feel like Bernie's going to come out of this in the lead. Uh, you know, he'll win. Probably he's going to win California, so that's a big chunk of delegates. But I feel like I feel like Biden's going to be above that 15 percent threshold in every state. Um, and whenever wherever Bernie does win, it's going to you know it's not going to be like all you know big big marginal halls relative to. To Biden, so Bernie's going to come out definitely in the lead, definitely still the front runner, but like we're going to go into the next series of primaries with this thing still open. Right. And I think what you're going to see is both Warren and Bloomberg will drop out officially, so it'll really become the Biden versus Bernie thing. And it's like there's a lot of delegates still out there, and like it'll become like a pretty tight race. So just to summarize, then where you think the country is going, uh, you know, irrespective of our who who's right about Super Tuesday. It, it is looking like, no matter which way you slice it, the next president of the United States is either going to be Joe Biden, <laughs> Donald Trump, or Bernie Sanders. Yeah. March 2020. This is, this is what we're looking at, U.S. This is the... I mean, from Congratulations. The, from you the did Demo- it. Yeah, from the Democratic you know, Party of Diversity, Big Tent, like, open and inclusive party, we got two old white East Coast males. And from the Republican... We're like, like, not, not just old. Not just old. I mean... Yeah. Very old. Very old. And Very in Biden's old. case, senile. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely senile. Like, well, that's why the vice like president, the, the, the vice president pick for Biden is going to be, if he wins, right, if he wins the nomination, is huge because very good chance he's in a wheelchair halfway through the presidency. There's no, I mean, there's, there's a good chance he doesn't finish it and let alone go in a second term. Oh, a second term is just a fucking... So the vice dream. president is just going to be a critical pick if he wins the nomination. Can you imagine, like, I mean, <laughs> anyone who has watched Biden speak, literally <laughs> yeah, I, at any event, at any event, I, it, it's, it, it, like, the man cannot put together a sentence in a coherent way. He talks as if he's he's struggling to know where he yeah, is. Yeah, well, that's why it's like different than the Trump. The Trump can't put together a sentence, but it's very much like... It's because I'm, he's, like, too angry. Yeah, and he's, like, and and he's, he's like riffing. He's yeah. too small. But he's still all... He's, yeah, he's, he's like all over the place, and he's just, like, regurgitating headlines yeah. that he thought were good. That that's, it's more of a reflection of his basic underlying intellect, whereas Biden, you can see that, like, he once knew these words yeah. and once had the was able to pull together, and you can see him squinting. And like really trying to get the words out, and it's like it's really like you've seen it on your grandparents' face before. It's like I, I've had this conversation a number of times, and so I may we may be I may be repeating myself from the last podcast as well. But I'm just going to reiterate if that's the case, and if not, here's some just something that astounded me was Biden recalling the time where he was imprisoned for protesting apartheid in South Africa, <laughs> and I, I saw a headline that said Biden a Biden campaign official confirms that. Biden was never arrested in South Africa for protesting apartheid. <laughs> it's like, what other major candidate could get, get away, away with that? Could absolutely get away with saying like, yeah, who knows? Maybe I was in Delaware. Maybe I was in South Africa uh, protesting yeah, apartheid. Not even Trump lies like that. Trump will just be like, oh, these people are taking your jobs. Like those kind of lies or like whatever. Yeah. He, I don't even think Trump would try to pull something like that. Like, no. This yeah. is like, like Trump being like, yeah, I was at the high, have a dream speech. Yeah. That's essentially what Biden's doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, as if we can't fact-check this in 2020. It immediately gets fact-checked, and it gets fact-checked so effectively 
that it's not even a story because yeah. it's like, ah, oh, you know, Joe, he just says shit. Yeah. We just take it for granted now. He just says shit that's just like proven wrong all yeah. the time about his. And, and it's not just us. I was it's always about race. I was walking to uh, lunch today on you know New York City sidewalk, so overheard on New York City, I heard someone just shitting on Biden. These two construction workers, I think they probably would still going to vote for him, but they're like. I literally my 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 wheelchair joke I stole from them. They they I heard them saying as I walked by, he'll be in a wheelchair two years in. He'll be pushing in a wheelchair two years. In. And the funny thing is, like he's the same age as Trump and Bernie. Yeah, they're all like the right around. They're all like within two years of each yeah. other. And so while they, you know, Trump I think is showing signs even during his four years in office. Yeah. I think he's which is I mean that's fa- every it happens to everybody. Happens to everyone. Yeah, and it's just that when you start at seventy plus. Yeah. It's There's tougher. There's a big difference between your physical and mental like health. I mean, at seventy four and seventy eight. Yeah, and I, like I mean, Obama was what in his forties when he was elected. Yeah, like prime primo health. Yeah, and so now we're we're, we're picking uh, a geriatric. And just think about it. I want everyone uh, who who does listen to this, just think about uh, your job. Think about the work you've done in your lifetime and how hard you've worked at some places and how stressed you get about work and. And then stacking that together day after day, year after year, maybe you put in like two, three decades at a company, right? How worn down by that, by work you are and like how much uh, every single year you just can't wait to retirement. Now imagine saying the normal retirement age is what, 65? Or yeah. that's like the, supposed yeah. to be the retirement yeah. age. I don't think that's true anymore, yeah. but it's supposed to be 65. Imagine 10 years after that retirement age being like, you know what I'm ready for? The most physically and intellectually, spiritually and emotionally taxing job available on the market. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to do from age 74 to 78. Yeah. I, and not only do I want to do it, I think I'm the best person. In the whole world. In the whole world. <laughs> for the most stressful, intense, mentally and physically tough position on the planet. I, it's, just, it's just unfathomable to me that like we don't take that into account. Well, I, I think well, we do. Is, I think it's. Been, I think it's definitely normal. everybody wants it, wants to take that into account. But somehow the way the process works, like somehow the way the filtering, the great filtering of like the political process, has just spit out these old people. Like I think everybody knows Biden's old and Bernie's old, and nobody likes it. But they're all like all the Bernie people are like, well, we would never vote for Biden, so we have we can only trust Bernie with this. Yeah. And likewise, all the Biden people now are going to are basically saying. We liked so and so. We liked other people, but like Biden's the only one that can unite the party against Bernie. Yeah, no, I know. And I, I think know, I and it takes the to this reason why people vote for it. I know, the, but it's, select, it's like the fact that the selection. It's like comes this, like the meta this. process of like how we, how did we end up here? Yeah. Like twenty months ago, when people started making noises about twenty twenty, like when the first Democratic wheels started going, we had all these candidates available. How did we end up here? Let me just say this: like, if you were if you were starting a company, if you were doing a startup, or even if you're like a very mature like titan in the in the corporate space, like your Facebook, and Facebook announced announced, hey, we're gonna drop Zuckerberg. Is Zuckerberg the CEO? And he's Trez, the founder. Yeah. He's like yeah, he's the CEO. Like, he's yeah. the king. So we're gonna actually, you know, Zuckerberg's gonna retire, and we're gonna bring in this eighty year old <laughs> to run Facebook. He's going to provide the vision for this organization. What do you think the stock price would do? Yeah. What do you think our company that we work for, like, you know, would have if, if our CEO just stepped down and we just hired an 80-year-old who's like, yeah, I want to get behind, you know, I want to be on top of, like, tech. you know, tech. The and green the, revolution. The green revolution, the energy sector. 
You know, it's like I want to I want to learn about you know machine learning and <laughs> and uh, demand response and integrated. It's like, dude, you've generation. got a few brain cells left. You're not gonna learn. It's like you can't. It's like that dude learned how to type on a typewriter. Yeah. And yeah. Like, well, or before that. Or yeah. before that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cursive was a really important thing to learn when he was in school. He or she was in school. Like that's the age difference we're talking about. And so, so now we're not talking about running a company. We're talking about running the most. A five trillion dollar company. Also, and that's what we're talking and, about. And, and arguably, the most dire straits it's been in in, oh, yeah. in decades. Oh yeah, in decades. Are, are you talking about the existential threats from climate change, uh, coronavirus, <laughs> yeah. uh, the economy crashing? Uh, you know, it's it's maintaining it's, nuclear deterrence. That's something we don't even talk about anymore because we got other problems, problems. in front of our face. Anyway, it is. So that's it's, the primary. It's we're, the primary, and we're here we are. Really excited about the election. Yeah, we are. We've got a. Yeah, we are. I think we are excited. We we're excited for the content. I think. I'm excited for the content. I mean, it's going to do wonder. Crazy. It's going to do wonders for the ratings of the, of the podcast's ratings. Yeah, for I'm sure. expecting so, subscribers to double. Double. You know, over the next few years. Yeah, uh, for sure. From an increase in the amount of political content that's going to be yeah. available, people need to digest it. I mean, we've always said it, and I'll stand by it. Bernie versus Trump debates would be great content. Bernie ver- um, Biden versus Trump debates are much less interesting. A Biden versus Trump debate, to be honest, uh, <laughs> it's painful it's, to it's, watch. It's, it's gonna be like it's like watching Mike Tyson come in and like do like box a high schooler. No, That's, it's not gonna be that bad. Do you dude, think so? Biden can't talk. <laughs> yeah. And and when you're talking with Trump in a debate, do you remember how vicious he was yeah, during yeah. Hillary, interrupting her the yeah, whole time? Just yeah. like no, no. wrong, <laughs> yeah. wrong, wrong, lies. <laughs> He's just going to be doing that shit to just throw you off your game. It's already hard enough for him to talk, yeah. let alone with that running monologue happening yeah. on the microphone next to him. Like, he's a liar. Ask him about his son in Ukraine and <laughs> He's the most corrupt politician who's ever been. I think even Minnie would be better. Yeah, like, this yeah, is like, yeah. he would get absolutely shredded. Yeah. And there's nothing he could do. Yeah, he, he can't just be like, but I was with Obama. Yeah. That's not going to fly in a general election debate. Yeah. You're trying to win over half the country from rabid Trump supporters, and you put this, like, I don't know, man. I think that would be, like, I mean, I would watch it, for yeah. sure. Be oh, you have comedy. to. You have to. You have to watch it, but, like. It would be, def- it'd be, it'd be sad, almost. You'd have to have, like, in Little League, you know, when, like, like team elder, goes up elder by, like, 15 abuse. runs. Yeah. Like, if Trump just, like. Beats him too badly. They gotta just end the debate after yeah. like thirty minutes. Go to minutes. commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, no, no, no. We're good. Yeah. Trump won this one. We're just calling it. Yeah. We're not gonna do the full two hours tonight. <laughs> like Biden needs to just fucking recharge. We gotta plug in. Yeah. So it anyway, could be bad. Yeah. yeah I think the Bernie versus Trump ones will be more interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's still gonna be chaos. Oh, the content. Be chaos. Yeah. But, but it'll at least be. Bernie a, can like chip. Like yeah. Bernie can like actually hear what Trump. Yeah. Bernie's says. been he's been he's been great in the debates so far. He's demo he's. Probably been the most consistently strong debater on the on the stage. You know, what? I heard someone. I think it was on the that Libertarian podcast I was listening to recently. They were talking about Bernie and this quality he has in the debate that I think would not do well in the general election. And it's the fact that if you like press him on something that you could say is like superficial or not, yeah, but he press like, him, yeah, like press him on something like Cuba or like press him on like his socialism yep. stuff and be like time to communism you know even if it's a superficial attack Thing, or whatever, it's like, yeah. the way he responds to it is like kind of nasty yeah it's like you know, indignation he, he gets like in a really angry place and is like uh, like what you know how much did you pay in taxes remember he like said that to one of the moderators yeah yeah it's just like so and i agree like you do see his nasty streak come out um and, and he's like how dare you question me like kind yeah, of yeah it's not like 
you know, he's coming at this, like, we're starting a revolution for labor and for the working class and for the poor, and, like, he's trying to be inspirational, and, like, you know, this guy ain't Martin Luther King. You know, like, he's not approaching, like, these issues from a place of, like, like love it, and generosity of and, spirit. Yeah. He's coming from a place of, like... Power. 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 I know what's right. And yeah. you guys, anyone who thinks you're that I'm wrong is immoral and, like, beneath talking to him. Yeah. Right? He comes at it from, like, this kind of condescending... Place. Yeah, it's very much like we have the high ground. We're and it, and it's like we're 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 fighting for the power, and yeah. we're gonna take the power, and it's and it's right us against them. So. It's right yeah, and so. we're, it's us against them, with us or against us. And that's I mean, people have said that to all through the primary, and he's kind of shrugged shrugged it off. But it's, there's a tr- there's a there's a truth to it, and it's in his style. Yeah. And I mean, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't well, write I think a, it, And I think it helps when you're like, I mean, to be honest, Donald Trump is the same thing, right? Yeah. Like Donald Trump is. Well, and it's is it's just very much. Like people, there people respond to that. No, yeah, they're, they're not. There's, there's no. Um, what, what I'm, the word I'm thinking for here. They're not. Uh, yeah, t- you know, taking names and it's like they're just not asking for forgiveness. They're like very like proud of their position. Proud of their position and like and willing to take. Like, they're not gonna like you know apologize for their position and their no. and their and their stance or anything. And that's that. That's that Bernie's that that Trump style. As well, yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, it's you know, here we go. One year we had Trump, and here we have the Bernie Revolution. It's not a coincidence. There's something about the underlying cultural mush of the of the nation that is more attuned to this style. Maybe it's the social media. I'm not sure exactly what it is. The explanation is, but it seems like we're fed up with the old style of rhetoric, of tame rhetoric, of you know, constraint, empty, empty promises, empty promises, I and mean, like it just hasn't got us much and. Yeah, I mean, gener- I mean, multiple decades of like people who didn't talk like this, and now, and now this is what we've got. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would. Um, where do you think that comes from? Because I, I I've, obviously, it's probably a bunch of things. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. factors or the the sentiment of the population that you're talking, describing, and like what type of candidates yeah. people like are resonating right now in 2020. I think I would point to a few different things. One, I would point to like income inequality, which I think is still at like a real all-time high. I think like even though there's some economic indicators that say like, you know, unemployment's really low, for instance. Yeah. I think people are underemployed and most people are like, you know, they have access to goods and luxury goods and stuff. But, you know, like a lot of studies go to, sh- will, will show you empirically or at least, you know, social science and believe the stats what you want. But happiness generally is measured Relative, relative to yeah, other, it's totally relative, right? So and living standards are all relative. Living, like, everything's relative, right? From and so how you, how good you feel about your position in life is often dictated by the position that you find other people around you in. And when you're living in a society where wealth, you know what type of wealth exists within the same even, society. Yeah, and I think that's, like, that's that causes tension. I think so. People are generally, I think, feeling the pinch, even if materially. They have better TVs, objectively, every, right? Like objectively, every, every aspect of their lives is better than it was 50 years ago. Yeah. People still aren't satisfied with what they have and, and are much less satisfied now than they ever have been. Or not ever have been, but certainly in recent Seems political that, yeah. history, in the last few decades, I think there's that sentiment. And I think some of that, just to add on that, is social media too. Like Social media allows you to see... The transparency of the of, of the elite, of the rich. And also misrepresents how most people are living. Yeah. Right? That's another phenomenon associated with social, social media where... 
everybody's Only doing see everyone's best self. Yeah. Right. And so being exposed to that every day. So you're seeing all like, you and are, you're like, and so there's this. You're like, what's going on in my life? Why am I working this fucking job? Yeah. This guy's like posting pictures at the beach. <laughs> yeah. Like what? And that, meanwhile, that guy's that's his three days he's had off all yeah. year. Yeah. And you saw that one picture, and you're yeah. like, this guy's killing it. Yeah. And you know whatever. So there's that, and then I think there's. Uh, Not to say that the inequality isn't happening, but I do think that the social media intensifies the degree to which it feels personal. Yeah. That's and, exactly and right. And do we do what you're yeah. willing to tolerate things because of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so there's that. I think there's, you know, uh, the other, you look at it from a government perspective and, you know, I always, in every conversation that I talk about politics, it, I, you know, I'm always six degrees away from this one Princeton paper that was written like maybe 15 years ago at this stage where they just like did a huge historical analysis over the last like 50 years of every policy decision that's ever made. And they correlated that with polling from labor, polling from the general population, polling from corporate interests, and polling from, I think, like, wealth, the wealthy or the elite. And then they tried to correlate what policy outcomes happened based on which group wanted which thing to happen. And they found zero correlation between what the public wanted and what policies were passed. They found intense correlation with corporate interests. Yeah. With, uh, they found some, but muted, correlation with labor with like uh, unions yeah. and union interest and they found a strong correlation with like the wealthy and the, the conclusion of the paper is we live in an oligarchy and if you look at like the outcomes of what government policies that are passed yeah. and like the only time that uh, they said in the article like the only time the public uh, got an issue passed uh, where they were polling like you know most of the public wanted something done was when it, that issue did not conflict with any of the other three groups yeah like gay rights is a great example yeah it didn't hurt any that didn't help hurt corporate interests that didn't hurt like, yeah. you know labor and that didn't hurt the wealthy so they're like yeah fuck it you guys can have gay rights yeah so that's all to zoom back to where we were talking about I think there's this sense of like the government's not working for me and whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you're not getting Republican things passed that you vote for. You're not getting Democratic things passed. What's happening is it's just sort of sitting there taking, taxing you. So do you think it's like that? that's built up over time though? Because yeah, like, cause it's do. like 50 years, right? So yeah. basically what that says is that it's nothing new then. You no. know, generations have they, come they, and they gone. That I, yeah, I forget whether they showed through to what the effect yeah. of time was. But I think it's intuit, you can intuit that it's gotten worse. That effect, I, those effects. Yeah. So the, you know, but it, you know, it seems I would say to United, me, to me, like all the yeah, you know, maybe I, I'm a little suspect of that because I don't feel like the country was ever run in a you know with maybe the glaring exception of the FDR era, um, you know, the, the new the new deal, new deal era. Uh, I can't imagine. You know, is there any other time in American history where, and obviously it's just get back farther enough back in American history, it stops being relevant in terms of comparisons um i think at least it's hard for me to yeah compare us to the 1850s like what right, do i right. what do i know about the politics of then yeah. um so it's really kind of post-war era sure um so i don't know i yeah, i can right. see besides, that it's just it's, FDR, i don't know I if that's i can i look at like more things like globalization i think that's what i would say is like seems to me that that's the biggest change over the last two decades so why is, would that derive populism well i think in terms of the degree to which um and I mean, populism I'm using as a stand-in for originally the, this was the, tr- the Trump like Trump and Bernie seemed to be more when Pete's and that type of candidate and well, even Warren's like the well, Warren versus Bernie stylistic difference even yeah, though yeah, yeah. on a policy diff you know they're probably pretty similar it seems right, to, right? It seems yeah. like just stylistically people have 
been like, eh, she's suspect right. because she's not so. She is a little. We've talked about it ourselves. We've been like, ah, eh, we don't know if we buy her. Yeah. If we buy yeah. her policy positions, even though she's saying free college and Bernie's saying free college and Bernie's saying Medicare for all and she's saying Medicare for all, she's suspect. Whereas Bernie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy means it. And I guess. To, and so getting yeah. back to what I was saying is like, I would, you know, argue, you know, I guess. It, you say globalization is leading to this in some way. Globalization being, I can point to globalization as intensifying over time. Sure. And we know the impacts of globalization kind of stack in a way, a measurable way. In that you get displacement of, of you know jobs, jobs and, and, and in a way that I, I, I can point to tangibly. And I'm not not to, not to take anything away from your kind of prescriptive. And, or, no, I think and it's, I think it's probably going, going, really And the globalization thing in particular um, leading to the sense that like we no longer have control of our government. The global mechanisms of finance and the elite kind of like ascending to this global right. this global level right. from a narrative standpoint okay. like I, I, we've I, lost control of our so government you, tie, you would tie this to like bolsonaro or to like brexit or to like yeah these like meta like, like meta narratives of like because it's like I, you mentioned this to yeah. me it's like we're not the only country seeing tumult it seems like the world's on fire and i don't know if that's just me being young and not having seen the world on fire in the past but like you're seeing pretty dramatic stuff across the world. Hong Kong with the protests. Right. At one point, it was like it felt like every country in the world was protesting. There was, there was protests in the street in Chile, in France. Hong Kong, in France, the in the UK. You've got tumult, Brazil. Brazil. You've India, got India, you know right in, in the India, like India, right India was like this, like this big, sleepy, stable democracy for generations. It seemed like to me that yeah. that's just a narrative that let's I got. Put a pin in India because uh, I do want to. Let's go back because I want to talk. So, more so about all that. these things, yeah. though, it seems to me like something is intensifying the degree to which um, the, the the state orders in which people kind of like woke up. Everybody's waking up and uh, looking around, going, "Wait a second, what's going on?" And it's it's intensifying the populations of these countries in a way that they're not willing to go on. Like, and so people are just saying the way things were, would, I think it's, like, I would simplify it as like, the way things were, uh, and the way status quo is now, is currently insufficient. insufficient. And, and whether you're on the right or the left, status quo is insufficient for large segments of most countries. Yeah, and exactly. There are, so there where's, are populations in, the, in most countries that are completely fine with status quo. Of course. Look at the Biden numbers. Yeah. But, you know, just like that percentage has all of a sudden gotten big enough where it's now... It's now, and in the case of Brexit, in the case of Donald Trump... Yeah, and it's a feedback loop, too, because yeah. all of a sudden it's like, if there's a population on the right that is grows that is okay with that, that sends a signal to the pop on the left that it's okay, that we also need to respond with that, right? Yeah, there's definitely some, like, yeah. feedback loop type For situations sure. where sure. it intensifies off itself. Which is honestly very similar to the algorithms that, like, a Facebook or a YouTube uses where, like, you're watching yeah. a video online... Which so Points like into that other causal effect. Like, yeah, Next thing you know, you like vegan. you like or, or, or yeah, it's or like, like you know you like videos. you pause for a second as you're scrolling through your YouTube feed over like a Ben Shapiro video or yeah. or TYT video. You pause yeah. for a second and it does like the self play for two seconds, and it picks you up as having paused. It's like it knows that you paused on that video yeah. and read the title, and boom! Next time you scroll through, you've got three of those videos instead of one. In your in your feed yeah, and like yeah. and like it's yeah and so so we're doing that both the algorithms I mean what's funny about this and, and is the algorithms are just responding to what humans do and then giving us like, and then rewarding and then building building processes that like optimize our 
innate wired. And just speeding like, it up. Yeah, it's speeding it up. So it's kind of like, like a dialect. It's almost like a dialect. It's like the algorithm's just picked up on a mathematical pattern. The spiraling like, hey, dialectic is just accelerating. And yeah. someone starts saying something <laughs> extreme, it makes it easier for the next more extreme person to, to come by. And suddenly they go down this really... Whereas that took, used to take years, or they might have never even seen those posts. You know, it used to be letters writing back and forth, or it would have to be magazine articles or something, or, or publications. Or passing ideas down slowly. And it would just take time. And, and because there was that gap, like things maybe, those feedback loops didn't connect. Yeah. And ping, 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 ping. Whereas now it's like, nobody misses anything. Yeah. Oh, I saw... I, I mean, I can... The amount of, like, you know, some... Some literally egg, you know, Twitter egg, right wing Twitter egg says something, and it gets in. It gets into a Times article. Yeah. You know, yeah. right wing Twitter egg says like evil thing. It's like ten years ago, nobody would have known that this racist pig yeah. lived in a lived somewhere. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he would have been talking to his friends, and it just would have never been any would have yeah. never propagated. Or and now it propagates shit, like say that shit at the grocery store, and someone beat his ass. Yeah, you know? like that's the thing. It's like. And that and was that, the extent of his influence on the world. And now it's like it propagates. And then it goes into times, they document it. Then there's the left-wing people who see that and they're like, oh my God, this is so bad. But then there's the right-wing people who go, ah. And it's, so that's that, that's that boiling intensification going on. And, and, and so that would explain that, that, why, yeah. you know, the rhetorical yeah, styles. So that's Bernie or Biden. Yeah, so that means well, you want an antagonistic, an antagonistic rhetoric. I think Biden is more, definitely at, at odds with this, which is why he... Yeah. At best, you could be at, as having stumbled into this position as for second, you know, front runner or borderline yeah, front runner. Yeah, he's just the Ted Cruz of this cycle. Yeah, he's yeah, just Ted like he's the last gasp of the of the establishment. The yeah, and um, yeah, and whatever. He's get, yeah, he's gonna lose to the populists, just like the, the what happened to the Republicans, where they just kept lining and, up. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. You know, I'm calling, man. I'm you're you're calling it. And I'm, you know, the election's done. We don't even need to vote. We just hand it to Bernie and <laughs> Trump. Let's get the debate started. That's where I'm at right now. I don't yeah. need to see. I, I mean, Bernie v. Trump. I've said it again. It's like it is. Rem- it's just we've we kind of harped on, but I just it is just remarkable that at this time of crisis, this boiling sensation that we have, that. These are the two political leaders that um, the American public. Now it's not you know you can't blame the people because we're an oligarchy like you might have said or whatever. Like there's just all these systems that are interfering. Within the, within but the, the fact of the matter is whoever's in charge of this and all the varying degrees to so all these various people are in influence. This is who we've, this is who we've come up with. Now you might say the elites pick these people. You might say the corporate interests pick these people. Whoever you want to say picks these people. The fact of the matter is at our time of preeminent crisis. Our great mechanisms for filtering out and picking our leaders to, yeah. to go into gladiatorial combat against yep. each other and to and to come out and lead the nation forward. We've got Trump, we know we his defects and Bernie and like you know a socialist, a socialist, socialist. and like just straight out of the like sixties, yeah. you know, just like not even like a. Not even an interesting socialist. Yeah, not, not even a modern socialist. Not yeah, like a, and and you know he's got a lot of good qualities. I will say, yeah, I, I've said it, and you know his. His commitment to his ideas is, is remarkable. No, it's remarkable in this day and age. And um, and I think he comes from a good. Honestly, he comes from a good place. So I don't doubt his sincerity. But it's just like this guy. Like we said, I don't think he's ever read like, you know. I just don't think he appreciates the complexity of the things he's talking about. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. which is like, yeah. but whatever. So that's uh, whatever. We can talk about that later. But it's just oh, remarkable we'll, we'll that, get to that in the debate. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll dissect these people ad nauseum. But. It's a, these are the two we filtered out. It's just yeah. It's like this: the current process that we have 
to your point, is like whatever it is. Whatever it is, it seems to select for right now. The only <laughs> it's selecting for the most extreme version of each party. Yeah. Because those are the only ones who can get through, can garner enough public support. Yeah. I think, and like you know, you're talking about globalization, and I'm talking about dissatisfaction of people mm-hmm. uh, domestically be, relative to the income levels yeah. of, of the the top in society. Um, Whatever it is, I think people are just tired of the same old shit and they want authenticity. I think authenticity is something they all share as well. And I think we've lived, you know, in a, we live in a time of like, you know, internet chaos where you don't know what you're fucking, every headline is like, I don't know, nonsense at some level. It's, it's so, we're like, we're, or in a, like, it's just a propaganda war from every, like, we live in such a spin zone. Like, yeah, I, every like, article is a spin zone. Everybody lives in the fake news realm. And everybody so you lives. find someone that just, like, speaks their truth, even if you don't align, even if you don't agree with, with no truth. shame, with no shame, with and just, just like, like, this is who I am, this is what I believe. And, like, just, and that's what we were saying. They both, that Bernie and Trump have that, yeah. that like, on a bad. has it too, but people just don't like what he has yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. also, he's just, yeah. I mean, there's a million things. He's also one of the elites that maybe, you know, whether it's globalization or income inequality, you look at a billionaire. I mean, Trump's a billionaire, though, so what the fuck am I talking about? Like, they're all, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird time, man. It's a weird time to, to be an American. It's a weird time, weird era. And there's, other th- and there's other factors. There's environmental factors. So on top of all this chaos, we've got climate change, of course, which, you know, we, yeah. we, we need to return to as a topic. But um, We've also got the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, so that was going to be, I think that's that's what I, I think we're, we're hoping to talk about a bit. And I think I, everyone's talking about it right now, right? People are just buzzing over this. I'm curious to see, if, I'm curious to see if our uh, our future listeners um, survive or not. Do you, you want to <laughs> give a, a brief, like, give okay. me like a five-minute summary. Just catch us up on where, where did the coronavirus okay, come so, from. Okay, uh, so we, we started hearing news of a, of a, of a flu-like thing happening. I started hearing news on like of a flu-like thing happening in China back in December, and it's now what March, March third, December, kind of January. You start hearing it, you're like, eh, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then next thing you know, um, the city Wuhan is what a city of probably I five million. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, easily millions of people. You know how these these massive interior Chinese cities that are just dwarfed. Yeah, you've never heard the name, but they have it like turns more out, people than any U.S. city besides yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, is on lockdown, and the thing is spreading out of control. And next thing you know, all of China's in lockdown. They have the draconian authority to basically turn the country off, um, which is the plus side of top-down authoritarianism. Sure, it's a very effective yeah. way to run a country. Yeah, well, it's a very effective at stopping... I shouldn't say run a country. It's a very effective way to do stuff certain at things. a global level. Yeah, very certain things are very good. Like, basically, nobody move. If you move, you're going to, you know, you're going to get disappeared. You can stop the spread of a coin, uh, something really well with that because it's effective. Um, anyway, so and then boom, next thing you know, it, and of course China is like the, the factory of the economy of the world. So you've got planes flying everywhere out of China. You've got ships flying everywhere in and out of China. Not well, to mention before the this gets of yeah. people like I mean I studied in China when I was in grad school for like a few months and I'm not special. There's a million millions of people going business to and, from and and business and and also it was happening students. around the time of the Chinese New Year, which made it worse. There was all these celebrations associated with the Chinese New Year, and so next thing you know, Wuhan's locked down. The next thing you know, there's cases in Beijing. There's cases everywhere. It's spreading like wildfire through China. China's responding rapidly now. There was a whole controversy about the degree to which early on early on degree which the communist government was not able to get ahead of this but once they got ahead on it they were on it hard shut the country down um 
but it's too late now it's in, no then next thing it, so then it, it kind of slowed down everybody was like okay no big deal no big deal and then all of a sudden boom it's in south korea it's in italy oh my god it's in germany it's in brazil algeria greece iran oh now or it's running from iran to iraq and kuwait and it's like and it's uh, and it's in the U.S. It's it's a pandemic. I, mean, a, I don't it, know if I'm, it's officially classified that, but, but I think people are are calling it like, oh, it's it's almost like it's a tropical storm versus a hurricane. It's like in the tropical storm level of the pandemic. It hasn't hit like which people. I I mean in my I maybe I wasn't too young to recognize, but it definitely feels like it's bigger than anything that we've seen before in terms of it like feels like it's bigger than it's certainly SARS than or Ebola. swine. Yeah, because Ebola was is far more deadly, um, but it. Is harder. To, it is very. It's less difficult to spread at, because it kills people so fast. Yeah, it, like yeah. people. It runs too hot. Yeah, it burns itself out. Uh, whereas this, this like, is like lingers. it's lingers and it's less deadly. You know, so I think they said it's three percent of people die, which means and mostly it's like the older people. But now talk about what three percent means when you have like but yeah, so infection then, rates. Like so I you know I read a, okay I read you know maybe it's maybe it's hyperbolic but I uh, uh, epidemiology. Epidemiology is that the yeah. study of disease at Harvard said he estimates that something like forty to seventy percent of the world population will contract corona at some point, which is like okay, startling. Startling numbers. But as you start to see how this happens, like you start to read the stories about how this stuff gets transmitted, and maybe we'll go through a couple examples. But it see you can see how quickly this stuff just moves. And I think about it in the city. I we live in New York. The subway, someone goes with Corona onto the subway not knowing they have it. That's it. Game over. Ten people on the subway have it. Boom. They all go in ten cars later in the day coming home from work. Ten, the speed at which this stuff, exponential growth is startling. Um, the odds of someone in New York getting coronavirus, very it, high. Well, no. One, it's already, no the, uh, I mean, I know it's already happened. It's here. It's, it's here. It's, but so I'm just saying that even before it was here, it's like the odds were incredibly high. The, the odds that, that one person who's got coronavirus rides a New York subway, also very high. And the New York subway is just a, a death trap for viruses. <laughs> it's built to transmit viruses. Yeah. If you've ever been on a rush hour subway in New York, it's, it's, you, you understand what I'm talking about. It's 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 like those videos you see in like Tokyo or anything yeah. else. Like Except you are no, slammed yeah. on top of people. I am body to body with people on the commute in yeah. the morning. I'm I'm my yeah hundreds of thousands of people. I've got at least six faces whose hot breath is just hitting me. Yeah. My whole way to work. Yeah. And that's just that's just the reality for people riding the subway. If one person has the virus, every single person has the virus. We, you know, so I think yesterday, Monday, I saw the first headline, first for confirmed case in New York City. Today we've when got was that? that was I think Monday or Sunday. Okay. A woman who was a nurse was in Iran and flew back from Iran, and she knew she was at risk and self quarantined herself. And so, so that's what people are doing. They're self quarantining. But. God today, life. today it's Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. We've got confirmed cases in a high school in the Bronx. We've got another confirmed case <coughs> of a lawyer or someone like that in Midtown. So one case yesterday. I think we've got multiple cases in New York City city limits today. One, you know, it's like tomorrow. That's only two. That's two days. That's two days from the first case to the third and fourth or fifth reported cases. You know. We'll check back in in a week. That's you know we'll yeah. see, like in a week. I, and it's either gonna and maybe we're maybe I'm buying buying the hype on this. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I'll, I'll read this. I read. I'll, we already talked about this a little bit before the podcast, and Lauren and I were laughing at it a little bit. But you know, I read a headline today that was like, uh, "Corona 
Mike Pence shakes hand with students who shared class with student who's under quarantine. And so that makes it seem like the Vice President of the United States was just exposed to coronavirus. And then I read, you read, I read the story, and the details were uh, a nurse, similar to the nurse in New York, a nurse uh, was taking care of a patient in a hospital. It was later determined that that patient had coronavirus, so the nurse self-quarantined. Her son went to school, came home, and then he self-quarantined because his mom's self-quarantining. She doesn't have it uh, yet. She's just doing this out of protection to just see. Uh, it's even less likely then that her son has it. Uh, he was only at school for a short time, so it's even less likely that he transmitted, to, transmitted it to his, his fellow students, who then went on to shake the hand of Mike Pence, uh, which seems, it seems very unlikely that that like seven degrees from the patient in the hospital uh, would jump to Mike Pence, but it is possible, and that is how disease spreads. Well, well it's, it's, yes, but also, that's only, we're only looking at Mike Pence. So, so think about the network of each person of, of all this yeah. and Mike Pence of which Mike Pence is only one each one of those students that and Mike the, Pence shook hands with has a family and, a all, job, and all the like, you know the life. kid took a bus to work or to school or something boom 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 they boom they got coffee at the local town whatever you know, like, and you know and also and, and, their, and the mom she went to and from work you know and so you look at that web and the chances that one person there has her it. Her husband, her husband's office, you know. You know, like, and yeah, so, so it can go. And so the virus spreads. And so uh, even. And it just takes time and it's, and it's exponential. And, and, uh, and if the death rate stays at 3% and we're talking about. So yeah, about we, I, did, I did the math and it's something like, I did, I said, assumed, right, so there's, let's say there's 7 billion people in the world. Yeah, let's is do, that, I'm going to pull out a calculator right now. 7 billion people in the world. This is pretty dark. But, yeah. You know, so we got 7 billion people in the world. Yeah. And we're, and we're let's say let's say let's say one third just to be conservative. Okay, so a third of that is two point one billion times point zero three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's sixty three million people from from just coronavirus. Sixty three million people. It's a fifth of the United States just disappearing. That's like the, uh, you know, I yeah. mean that's that's an absolute atrocity. I don't know. <laughs> It's it's horrifying if uh, <laughs> it's horrifying reaches that level. Well, so and and of course the panic. Well, so I think what's more interesting for us is that we're now we're talking about the. Um, so like, in New York, the you can't you can't get hand sanitizer anymore. You can't get uh, sanitary wipes. Oh God forbid you you can't get ma masks. Oh, you can't no, get anything. No, it's all sold out. Yeah, and and, and out the food is starting and the food is starting to sell out. Um. And and what's more interesting, I think, beyond the panic buying, like at Whole Foods, you can't get any frozen yeah. fruit; it's all gone. Um, uh, is like so in China. China, in China's stopping. They're actually reporting less cases now. They're yeah. like they're, they're they've stopped the spread, and then total number of cases is counting down. But they've shut down their entire economony, yeah. and they've basically said no, no one go to work, no one move. The factory of the world just ceased. Turned off. And so you have seen these statistics about the number of ships. Leaving Chinese ports, just catastrophic fall off. Catastrophic fall off. The number of ships. You're talking like it's like fifty percent or something. It's it's in that area of like the fall in like port traffic. And now in California, right on the coast of L.A. and San Francisco, where the where the ships from East Asia are landing with all the goods being produced, catastrophic falls and then. So and just so, like we did with so like, real quick, just like just to put that into context, just like we did with the number of deaths. Think about what that means if you go to like a Walmart. You're looking at shelves that are ninety percent made from China. So and, just and, and they're running and they're running 
razor thin inventories. So just imagine half the shelves are empty. Yeah. Imagine that Walmart is half, like literally half of everything in Walmart is gone in every Walmart and there's, in the entire country. And there's, no, and there's no resupply coming because the country. there's no resupply coming for as long as they want to stay turned off, which so far we've got like a month of being turned off. So you can expect in the stores experiencing effects that last yeah, at least a month. I, I think you. I think you know people are kind of expecting it to like you know it's starting to show up now. Like it's going to start. To sh- it takes a while because you burn through the inventory. There's the supply that was already on the way. All that all that inventory right. kind of works through, and all of a sudden it's like, it, it, the, the but, pump got stopped somewhere along yeah. the line. And, it, and so once it, it runs trickle- out, we're not gonna. Those shelves aren't getting refilled until China turns it back on. Yeah, and and it, and it, you know it's also you know it's spread. It's presumably spreading to. You know the Vietnams of the world, the Indonesia, the Philippines, all India. All the materials that go to all the, the so, factories everywhere. And we'll see what happens. You know, so, so the I think the, the, the so the stock market's down. Stock I think crushed. you have to imagine that the you know the manufacturing output of the world is falling. That you know it seems impossible that global recession's not right. I mean, so it seems like, like it seems like it's like almost impossible that we wouldn't have like like. Conferences around the world are being canceled, like business travel canceled. Tourism. I mean, Austin, Texas, South by Southwest probably gonna be canceled. Yeah, tourism canceled. Like companies are telling people to stay home. Yeah, like work. my sister works at a is a is a waitress, um, at a at a fancy restaurant in Brooklyn. Like, she's budgeting for the fact that she's gonna be making less money over the next month or two because people aren't coming. Because she's ex- it hasn't really happened yet, but like. It will. If we only got our first case yesterday, if it starts, if you know, boom, yeah. boom, 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 in a week or two, like no one's going out to the restaurant. And that's less spending power. And for her, later. and it's like it's, and it this is like liberating. So you think about two thousand eight with the housing crisis, crisis that was like a financial crisis at yeah. first. It was a, cr- a crash in the financial sector. And then the credit market seized, and, and then the real economy. And then the real economy felt the effects. Yeah. People couldn't sell their homes. Yeah. And people were getting, you know, their homes were getting foreclosed upon, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then we felt the brunt of the recession as jobs started slowing down. And, and manufacturing output. Like, yeah. yeah, think, yeah. So now this is this is a complete op- inverted yeah. uh, version. You know, this is not like the, the financial sector and the stock market. Great. I think many people thought very overheated. Probably it was on one of the it was on a historic run. Yeah, and I mean, I think the run. yeah, it's like, but there's no, but there was no, yeah. there was no, there was no bubbles. You know, people didn't feel like there was bubbles really in the in the asset evaluations. Like, I don't think I think there was. I think if you looked at like uh, I mean, P, so like PE ratios in this yes, it period, is historic, it was like pretty overheated. But what people were not seeing is like there wasn't like um. There wasn't like a source of instability in the economy exactly. that knows nothing was, to knock the shop. It was like the housing market was wasn't overvalued. It wasn't the oil. It was just like we. This was the longest economic expansion on record in U.S. history. Right. So like, from, can I actually pause and ask a question? Because you know so much more about this than me, and I don't have an opportunity yeah. to learn about this stuff from you very often. But uh, when I think, because I'm new to like thinking about finances, fin- the financial space, yeah. and like certainly the stock market. And its relationship to the real economy, yeah, uh, in any meaningful way. But when just evaluating the stock market and the economy dynamics, if you know, talking about this run that we've been on, you're right. It's that like there wasn't anything to worry about necessarily. Maybe people weren't feeling super comfortable in one way or another. But people were buying shit day in day out. People were living very full and rich lives, even if politically maybe things are unsettled. Yeah. People are buying and spending. Jobs are filled. And gross domestic product was expanding. expanding. Even though that's not an imperfect number, the fact of the matter, it still does tell a story of like... In that context, companies uh, are being valued far above 
the material worth of their company and far above what their actual revenues are based on expectations that like this type we can we can be overconfident in bet on the future of a Tesla, yeah. let's say, that's not really producing yeah. numbers anywhere close to what its its stock's valued at. We're fine betting on the future because I'm gonna have a job tomorrow and I'm more I'm like buying and I'm comfortable in my life and so I'm fine like taking a bit more of a gamble yeah. on, on equities. Right. Yeah. And trying to like well, and the future. And it's also yeah, it's, it's like also, a level of confidence that people were investing It's individuals in. and it's also businesses basically saying like there's growth opportunity here. We're gonna take a pile of money and invest in new machines or rather than sit on that cash and worry because it didn't feel like there was anything quite around the corner. So it's like, yeah, everything might be overvalued. But that's because we're all confident that yeah. like tomorrow's gonna be better than today. Yeah, and, and there's and no it, reason it to takes, think it won't be. It takes it takes a la- it, it, it takes, takes a, a shattering lot. of confidence. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's you know, and no matter what any economist tells you, it's you know, the, nobody understands how you know it's it's just too complex an organism. You know, yeah. too com- it's like the climate in in a, in a lot of ways where it's like we can model specific things really well. We know that there's is in fact relationships between this and this. Like we can model things very independent components of it, but like to have a comprehensive understanding of how the exact impact of every lever it, nobody knows no and so knows. Yeah. and so what you look for is you know sources like so um, like data points like inflation that they try to like yeah and keep like within certain you know, ranges and you know so when like you know uh, but there's no reason to believe that inflation at any given because there's micro recessions happening all the time in the sense that like right. a business goes out of business right like some yeah. company pops like we work yeah. huge evaluation popped so like there's there's um people lost their jobs. There's negative impacts on the economy from cascading through from that overvaluation and then there's like that reset. Right. Where the valuation gets written down, money's lost, there's a there's a negative impact on the economy cascading out, right? It's just but small. I'll, it's small, it's micro. And that's happening all the time. Right. Everywhere. And companies are starting and to it, exploding yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's all happening. And, and all the recession is is that it kind of gets to this like it's like a cascade that gets to like a critical mass where it like it starts you know the feedback, the negative feedback loops start accelerating, and there's a large scale write down of a resetting of revaluation of assets and, um, and at the end of the day, across the economy. And everybody kind of takes cuts their losses, reset, and then you start growing again. And at the end of the day, it's because the economy at the end of the day is just people and people trading and stuff. And so like, and it's all it's expectations, wanna, games, and, and recession is really people saying like. I don't want to like engage anymore and I want to just protect what I have and worry about like losses, losing like my material well, it's not, wealth, losing that's my not, possessions. I would say a recession is the, the okay. symptom of that, of that yeah. happening across a widespread. Yeah, a recession is a description for a million of di- the aggregate. Yeah, of, of an like, aggregate result. Which, of 300 million individuals in the case and of all the ma- And if some critical mass of them or start making kind of similar decisions about yeah. their perspective. Whether that's decisions within their company. And they all have different motivations. You yeah. know, it could be all, you know, it's all coming from different things, but if it gets big enough, it it can cause a recession. And I so, mean, you don't think, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, at the end of the day, isn't it simple enough? Can you reduce the economy down to, I, let me say it like this. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, is, is, is the yeah. economy some emergent property like consciousness is with, oh, yeah. with billions of brain cells? Or can you reduce the economy down into saying like, actually, if you add, if you somehow could add up three hundred million people's, uh, you know, if you could add up all of their uh, co- quote confidence, yeah, right, at any given time, and like quantify that, 
add all that together, that's the economy. And so if there's a recession, really what that's saying, yeah, you can look at it as like companies are suddenly like... You know, no, I, I don't think about that. I think confidence is more of just one narrow descriptor of... Or, or one narrow aspect of the economy. I guess I'm just saying, can you view recessions and... As uh, crises of confidence. As, at, no, at the individual level. Can you just... Is it as simple as just saying, like, it's the, the... A recession is just a word that describes 300 million people and all their economic activity suddenly moving from, I believe in the future, to, I'm going to protect what I have now and stop trying to grow as much. And so you get a... Now, what that results in is, of course, a contraction of businesses, no, a lowering of home values and everything. But it's really as simple as just like, it's not really, you could never measure that yeah. within a population. But that's really, or is it something like, you know, I'm getting at with the consciousness analogy. Yeah, I where think. Where like you can't, you could add up individual brain cells, but it's not going to tell you what Trevor is. Yeah. Right? No. Trevor is like at a higher level emergent property no. of neurons. I tend to view it more as that, whereas confidence is only, because there is... Yeah, it's fascinating it's, if that's the case, just on a metaphysical level. But I, th I that's how I think. I mean, I think the economy is like this, like incredibly. I mean, and this informs my kind of my inherent like libertarian. It's like you so can't. So the way you talk about like the market is as if it's this like real thing, and it's not just the summation of individual actions. Yeah, well, the, it's so, it's well, like, it's not the it's not the market per se. It's like this, like but yeah, it's just emergent. Market, but the economy. But yeah, right? same thing. Terms. It's like an emergent property. That like is like of the individual action, but it's just like it, it's an extension of the consciousness of all these combined. You know, it's like very it's a, much it's like it's, a, it's it's like the, the it's a fist is is stronger than five individual fingers. That type of thing. It, like, and, well, and it's and it and it's very much like a, a, a political ideas, I guess, right? Like that, like in the same way that it's not, it can't be. It can't be like dissected scientifically. This is this is what Gernel Escher Bach that book yeah. is about. It's okay. like thinking about life and in different systems in this way, mental systems and economics and stuff, and any any of these systems, and trying to look at it from a reductionist point of view. Yeah. Looking at any given system, let's take what we're doing with the economy. Looking at it from a reductionist perspective, which is it's the sum of parts. Yeah. It's the sum of individuals acting in individual and ways. And we can theoretically, even if we can't do it, we could. You can add it all up. If you could, there's a theoretical place where you could add up all those actions, and that could describe the economy perfectly. Or you can view it, quote, holistically, yeah. which is the people are don't matter at all. Yeah. Right. They give you no information. It's much more useful to think about the economy in terms of like, I don't know, the Nasdaq, or to think about the economy in terms of like right. the interest rate or inflation yeah. or, or gross like yeah, yeah like gross like capital flows and right. stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. So on these aggregate on this big aggregate. Yeah, I don't like I don't like cause I uh, yeah I'm not as familiar with their with that distinction those distinctions but I do a think reduction is versus a holistic point of view on I, it is it is to me simply like you said there is this reduction as, aspect where it is just individual actions it it has to be because we're all people right yeah. it's just the way that like yes, you are all cells yeah. yes there is like algorithms participating today like yeah. you know high frequency trading algorithms but like someone's like turning that on and off right, right. like people are saying let's allocate money to this trading yeah. algorithm right so like it's it's the aggregate of lots of individual but there's something about the mixing of you know our consciousnesses that make it so complex that make it so you can't really thinking about it on that level is as is as useful as me thinking of you as a as a collection of cells yeah and addressing each of your skin cells individually yeah when you right? know that at the end like, of the day I, it's easier to just talk to Sai. you have to do you know this kind mean? of like yeah. abstract synthesis that you know is incomplete but is the only way to like yeah. actively engage with it 
So getting back to the anyway, sorry, that was a huge aside, but that's so getting back to uh, Corona. Corona and the impact on the economy. To me, it seems because where, we're talking about meaningful recession. Yeah, and, and and a physical like it's like a like a like a shock to the you know the supply side. Supply side shock. Yeah, like basically all this shit shut down. Running and, out of goods, and so my I was reading something. Then, Can you elaborate? And, well, on this? also, and yeah. I guess, I guess actually, really, what it is is. It's actually probably not a supply side shock. I guess most people would say it's a say it's a demand shock. It's both. I think people are saying it's both. Yeah. So basically, like everyone stopped buying things, right? Yeah. And um. And there's not enough and stuff to buy. And there's no. It's, yeah. It's literally both. And and so my understanding is that like most monetary policy or fiscal policy that a, a government can do is only can really influence the demand side. I read or they that. can is stimulus that, package. You know, is it's that like true? yeah, it's like let's spend money, or let's free up the flow of money. Is typically. That's the best tool like a central bank has, right? Or a federal government has. Supply side stimulus is typically or theoretically thought of as like, let's make it easier to produce stuff on average, which is typically like structural reform. Let's like free up, let's deregulate the economy so that shit can get produced quicker and faster and more efficiently. Does it have to be deregulation or is it the same as like globalizing and nationalizing and driving manufacturing? That's why supply side stuff gets weird because it's, Demand side is like, let's spend more money. Let's buy more shit. Print money. Yeah. Demand side shock. Like, print money. Everybody buys more shit. That's going to make things keep going. And how does lowering interest rates affect demand side? So, lowering interest rate, Trevor. lowering or increasing interest rates changes the, um, you know, investment. Basically, the, the flows of investment flow. You know, investment flows is what I would say. So, wherever, it, when interest rates are higher, um, it's, it's less conducive to borrow. Right? Yeah. Right, yeah. and and vice versa. So you know, typically what you see is, um, you know, lower interest rates are kind of like thought of as like a stimulus. Yeah. Because as low when interest rates are lower, companies can borrow more. People can take out homes. They buy homes. Homes get built. Companies get founded. So on and so forth. Because Fine. people and so as you, you 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 raise interest rates though, uh, and that and that kind of slow, slows that down to a certain degree. Now, why would you ever low, low raise interest rates then? Well, because if if interest rates get too, you know, there's there's value in having the ability to lower interest rates. That's where that, but there's got to be a value to just having high interest rates. Wouldn't the value be that it makes it harder to borrow money, which means only stable businesses can yeah. thrive? Well, exactly, that, like, and you we, can you we, can overheat the economy. I yeah, mean, that's like it's, that's a weird way to describe it. Yeah, you want to make sure that the economy doesn't get too wild, and like if it's not just wild. It's that like you don't want it to be too easy to start a business that's not actually sustainable unless you're constantly borrowing money. Yeah, you know. And so you want healthy businesses. You want. You want economy. like yeah. That's I think that's a good way. Right. To, yeah. So it's like you want forest fires. You want some like challenge to, to kind of filter. It's like you, you either have a recession that clears out bad businesses, or you have high interest rates, so it's harder to borrow money. And it kind of and filters sort of it out does on the, same the market. Sort of recession type effect on a limited scale. Yeah. What's hysterical to me? So that makes sense, and I appreciate that. But so now let's tie that to the coronavirus because the Fed lowered interest rates today. Yeah. By like half a percent or something. They normally do that at periodic meetings, right? Decide, make a decision what to do with them. Yeah. And in this case, they didn't wait till their regular regu- regularly scheduled meeting. They just came out and said, we're going to lower interest rates. Now, it's prob- presumably to stimulate <coughs> stimulate the demand side of our economy. Yeah, I think all, just the, all the, all the, uh, the G7 finance ministers are gathering and trying to figure out what to do. Right. Now, I, I will say, as a very ignorant person on these subjects, yeah. that seems absolutely ridiculous to me. 
that the Fed coming out, and I noticed the stock market still fell two percent. Like most of the major indices fell two percent today. Like, yeah. It was it was a bloodbath today, even after the Fed did yeah. this. And that makes sense to me because I the the effects you were just outlining of yeah of course we can stimulate demand side by yeah. we're gonna marginally decrease the central bank interest rate rate by five, by half a percent, and the effects are on all the other financial institutions. They're gonna be able to now lend money a little more easily yeah. to businesses. Yeah. And so we're going to therefore see businesses take on loans and invest in themselves and, and grow. Yeah. And that's going to, they're going to pay people more yeah. and those people are then going to buy stuff. Yeah. And that's going to save us from the coronavirus. Yeah. That's going to save us from the, sorry, the economic reality uh, that is going to be manifested by the coronavirus, yeah. Yeah. right? The idea that you could just lower interest rates by half a percent right now, today, and that's going to help the economy in any meaningful sense. People are not staying home because in, they're, they're not satisfied <laughs> yeah. with the available interest rate for starting a business right yeah. now. Well, that's, People I mean, are staying home because they're afraid of dying. Well, no, I think I think like there's, there's, total, I totally, this, totally this agree like with that. Joke. It's delusional. Delusional to think you and, can you know, I do, do anything here. It's, it's, I think the mechanism there is, is exists, you know, I do think that those relationships do exist. It's just like a question of scale and like and um and uh and timing, dude. Like and it and it also goes to that point that we've made with Russ Roberts, who's like you know this overconfidence in like economics as a science when it's like yeah. yo, you got to look around, bro. Yeah, it's why not, not a, why not point six percent? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Why, why is it point six percent? The yeah. right yeah. coronavirus adjustment. Yeah, for I mean they're just economy. doing what they can. I mean they're doing. I I, I don't I shit mean, on them because they're doing what. But they're doing what they can, and they're just like saying, "Okay, well, we gotta do something, and this is, this will help." But, yo, it's not gonna be enough. I mean, what, what 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 would what it will help is that, you know, should this like peter out, you know, let's just say like our hype is oversold, which it might be, um, honestly, you know, in t- both in terms of the the scale of the spread and the deaths associated with the spread, but also like the economic impact. Well, it might be. What if this kind of just peters out over the next month, and it, you know, come June. We've forgotten about the coronavirus. You know, the economy is still going to be um, those cascading impacts are still going to be like settling out, and that 0.5 percent, or you know, maybe they do a second rate decrease. Well, in that's it. what I was going to say. So it may, it may make a, it will make an impact. Like it does make an impact. Let me say though, but your first point was the reason you raise interest rates is so you can lower them when you need to lower them, which yeah. is a hilarious point that I've heard. Not just you make. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people say that about yeah. raising interest rates. Again. Why do it now? Because again, doing it right now means you have less to do later when yeah. that moment happens, when the coronavirus yeah. is over. Well, and and doing it now is not going to spur any new investment. It's not going to spur anyone taking on debt to grow their business. Businesses from JP Morgan to mom and pop hardware store are bracing for the real spending, you know, de- decrease in spending they're going to see from consumers, from people not wanting to leave their homes, and they're grappling with a huge increase in their wholesale prices yeah. from all the stuff that they buy from China. Yeah. Because well, we're a globalized economy. It's not just China. All the countries that are exposed to this are shutting down. And the there's, a big, like, there's a big theory that like, it's gotta, not the actual absolute rates that matter. It's the directional... It's like, the, it, as we said earlier, it's all relative. The only thing that matters about rate moving by central banks is, to steer the ship is, like, is, like the, is the signaling impact that it has to the economy at certain moments. And I just don't and think so, that you're signaling So this is like a wasted right signal because it's a, it's, signal. it's a signal in a fucking... Yeah. You're like putting your light out and it's a fucking gargantuan winter blizzard and like... 
Yeah. Sorry. Save that for when it stops snowing and people are looking to find civilization. Exactly, dude. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. You're wandering in the woods in yeah. the winter and you've got a dinky flashlight with an hour and you're of like, yeah, and you're, and you're going to burn five minutes when the storm starts? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You're going to save that shit to find survivors. I, I think that's exactly right. But um, I'm not I, I think, I think what's, you, either. you mentioned you mentioned globalization. I think the other really interesting aspect about this is the degree to which all, all this anti-globalization feeling... That's well doubled yeah. over the last decade. And this just kind of feels like a death blow. To globalization. Not that I ever expect globalization to cease, but like to the political rhetoric around and people's understanding of like the consequences of globalization, here's this other thing that nobody had really taken seriously, that the interconnected supply chains might seize up. Yeah. And then what happens? What happens when we want surgical masks and we can't get them because they're all made in China? Yeah. Like, wait a second. I guess we do need to make surgical masks in this country. Yeah. Right? Like, I, that's just, maybe we don't, but like, no, no, that, that's, that's realization that, oh my God, there's this other consequence to globalization of like, we need, we can't get our shit. Yeah. There's going to be empty shelves. And it's not that they just took and, our jobs, and but Americans we, haven't had to face that really since World War II. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It feels like, like this like big like, wake up moment when we're all like, wait a minute, this house of cards relies on nothing going wrong. And like this and we're about perfectly synchronized, yeah, perfectly or, synchronized, globalized supply chains that are like amazing, amazing miracles of logics, logistics that like get all these goods everywhere yeah. all the time. Every, there's never and anything. All it takes is one person in that chain of information, or that chain of supply, to be like, you know what? Uh, I'm folding up shop. Yeah, and it, and it just and now it's like, and so I think this that's the really the more long term thing is like for me is interesting is like to what degree is this. Ch- impact the conversation about global supply chains and like and also it's happening it's it's already happening right now where like uh the u.s and china are kind of like a lot of american supply chains are moving out of china because of the the trade yeah the trade yeah the trade tension and this realization whatever so that's that was already kind of this they call it the decoupling between the chinese and american economies which if you you know if you think that trade reduces the risk of war uh is a little scary um, that we're yeah because once yeah. you don't need yeah exactly so yeah um, which I, I tend to subscribe to that I, t- I tend to think it's true yeah if you're trading then you there's risks to war whereas if we get de- completely decoupled then like why not bomb the shit out of each other yeah. um, but that's already happening because of the last couple of years of like politics and to what degree does this further that specific relationship maybe we still do globalized supply chains through the Americas but like accelerating the dis- decoupling of the United States and, America and the Chinese economy. Yeah, the Chinese example, the specific example of China is interesting, and, this, and the general example of, you know, how does the American populace and the American pol- political... And every po- everywhere, you know. Every, it's, I'm sure country. this is happening not just to us, but to, like, you know, the Germans and... Yeah, so how do, they, how the, do countries, are, like, how do they respond? How do the people, especially in democratic places where people have more of a say? And I think, all, yeah, that and... and and how do they respond? And also, the fact that China was like, okay, to save our country, we need to shut down the, shit, the country. So we're going to do that. Like, I don't care if you guys need our shit right now. Like, yeah. we got to do what we need to do, which yeah. is like, I don't blame them necessarily for like taking that stance. But the realization that like, yo, like if China wants to, they can, it's not like a, like we could never have that kind of draconian response here. Like it just would never happen. Like we couldn't just tell all the factories to stop producing. It's not an option. Yeah, like you Donald can't Trump it's like against the show. law yeah China can do that they just say no one do anything nobody move and nobody moves that's a really good point um, I think people are going wait a second like they can do that whenever they want so whether it's the coronavirus or whether it's a trade war 
whether it's like political conflict like we can't rely on them to be like a steady as you go partner um so that's another that's another aspect of like the global political economy that i think is is you know that's the that's not the first impact but it's the it's, it's that trickling impact that you know shows up three four or five years down the road i think yeah and i think it's gonna be i mean this is just like yeah we haven't i don't know if the eras that preceded ours were as chaotic or crazy it sounds it seems like from what i read of the 60s it sounds like a pretty crazy time to be i think the 60s were local i think there was lots of times in which area areas of the world were localized way more crazy without a doubt yeah 100 percent. so even in america like Locally in America, like it was way more intense, right? Yeah. For sure, but in the '60s. This, and this, glo- this it seems glo- like we're in a global like the, crisis. The degree to which on multiple yeah, fronts, yeah, which the whole world interconnected. And what's so amazing about it is that it's all so like interconnected that we're kind of seized up together. Like yeah. you can't just operate independently anymore. And so a crisis is everywhere. Impact create crises for everybody else. Like Turkey's crises, Turkey's crisis in Syria where they're now fighting the Syrian Arab army of Assad in Idlib province in northern Syria is caused them to open up their borders with Greece and Bulgaria because they want to pressure Europe into supporting them in Syria, which is now creating a crisis, an increased, you know, migrant crisis in the Euro, which can only mean political, you know, processes in the European countries are going to react to the flow of migrants. Which is only going to impact negotiations with Brexit, <laughs> which is only going to impact, you know, it's like the degree to which these things just cascade these days and, is startling. And it was, and I think it, it's probably fair to say, uh, and I'm not an expert on this, these subjects, but like it's probably fair to say that at other times uh, in history, at pre- in previous eras, that it was. It simply wasn't feasible or possible, or uh, it was honestly laughable to think that you could have a global crisis in any meaningful sense, like something and, that at this pace, at this pace too. At this pace, right? I mean, like that, it, the, the like, chain of things I just described to you happened over the last like three days. Yeah. You know, the three days, the crisis of World War One that took like months to unfold. Right. Right. It took months, months. You know. For that to whole thing to unfold. You're right. No, it is. It, that's really what it is. Because I was just thinking, like, I, I always go Genghis Khan when I think about world yeah. events yeah. His, in history, and like that dude formed an empire, and that was he did it quickly. I think he did By it by like, historical decades. standards. Yeah. Yeah. Like within a decade, startlingly, he, yeah, he had a monster empire. And you think about the ripple effects of you know he he takes out Baghdad, the ripple effects uh, yeah. to like political Islam. In the region, yeah, or just, and it, yeah, and how it, that impacts and like the region, everything, like, cast, everything, butterfly cast, effect, yeah, yeah. Or, you know how he how he didn't go all the way to like France, yeah, he, you know, st- he wasn't, and, like yeah. he just stopped before, yeah, and like how that could have changed history, whatever. So those were huge impacts, but like you're saying, the time scale of the Genghis Khan impacts was really on the order of years and years, generations and generations and, yeah. of to feel a change. Like if you're a, a French peasant. Yeah, or, uh, you know, or like, even a French nobleman, or someone who's like watching this happen. Like, you're only reacting. You're the same. Humans are the same as like, they were back then, right? We're yeah. still operating like at the same speed. Like our development, biological timelines are the same. Yeah, and our ability to process things are pretty much the same. I think. So if you're yeah. So like, in, that was the crisis of the era that 
It you was. Know, and like the generations you're 15 dealt when with. Genghis Khan showed up, you know, you're 25 by the time there's this Mo- Mongol Empire yeah. to the east yeah. that you're maybe hearing, hearing about, reports from, about in the market, maybe from someone who maybe saw something or heard something. There's no written reports. Another decade before they even reached like the Ural Mountains, another decade before, okay, now they're at your front step. So yeah. 40 years in the making. And, let's say they, and then he doesn't go there. He doesn't ultimately hit France. So, like, yeah. do you feel, if you're a baker, you're a br- French baker in, in Paris or whatever, <laughs> yeah. was Paris back then, you know, like, do you feel any impact from Genghis Khan throughout your entire life? No. Probably not. Probably and not. if you do, you have years to respond and acclimate. Years to respond. And, and what if you're an Aztec at that time? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel any impact yeah, from Genghis Khan? Yeah, absolutely not. Not a chance. Whereas today, it's like, this shit is happening, and it, before you can even react, there's a new one. There's a new crisis, and it's a new crisis. I mean, you know, climate change is happening on that time scale, but it's it is happening to all of us, so we are all feeling it. Yeah, but, yeah. But then you look at uh, coronavirus and the tanking of the economy and of the We'll see, we'll market. see. The economy hasn't tanked yet. We don't have the statistics to say that the economy has tanked yet, well, even though we are we know that we're running out speculating of wildly. If you want to talk economy and the lived experience, you go to... <laughs> Any store in New York. Right I mean, it's now, startling to go to a, whole, a grocery store in, the, in New York and there's no food in the frozen section. It's like oh, there's no oh, there's no hand sanitizer, there's no, no masks. There's like no, there's, that's, you can't that's, get you can't get. I, I I bought ibuprofen. I was like I was concerned that you might not be able to get ibuprofen. Pretty pretty spoiled uh, millennial perspective. Again, yeah. if you look at the full history of humanity. Yeah, but like, it's all relative and what, like this what, is like yeah. What other people have lived through? It's like yeah, we're like oh, I can't get my ibuprofen. Yeah, it's like, dude, I couldn't order drugs. Yeah, like like, I couldn't get it ordered through my front step with my app. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) no, but you know, it could get ugly here. It's like you know, we'll see. In a time, yeah, I mean, that's the thankfully modernity has preserved us from like most of the plagues of humanity, whether it's like famine (laughs) or I mean, not obviously not everywhere in the world. I know it's like states in twenty twenty. This is the first time where it's like, yo, uh, the world is just not responding to like not. Not behaving. Yeah. yeah, the world, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm giving my lived experience like a three star review now. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. Like, yeah. What do you mean? This grocery store doesn't have to put the towels I want. <laughs> yeah. Or the Clorox bleach I need. It's crazy. So we'll see. We'll see what the impact is. Uh, I think, you know, well, next time we, we do this, I don't know. There might be some delay between the taping and the next one. Because of some significant programming uh, adjustments. Yeah, we should only do programming notes at the top, but I guess we'll just. You know, I'll do it at the... We'll be doing the these remotely from now on. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to Texas. Uh, so I stay in New York for the, the short t- short term. We'll see where he is uh, going forward. But the, uh, you know, we're going to do it remote. I mean, like, uh, I think we're going to try Skype. It should improve the audio quality. Uh, you know, I've gotten some feedback from my brother uh, that he refuses to listen past an hour. So we're at an hour 22 right now. So I can only assume he won't hear me shout give him a shout out right now yeah he did tell us to improve branding to tighten up our structure and improve our audio quality and that like two mics and syncing up two mics might help with that so well at least hopefully accomplish the latter goal but and and it's a problem because we have some tension here between our stated beliefs and it almost feels like um doing those sorts of things to the podcast is it's very cog-like behavior. We are we are we are responding to the feedback of the machine and complying. And complying. In order to like you know, which you know, whatever. I guess that's that's life. But uh, I mean, we, we've only I have advertised to, ourselves as reluctant cogs, not like defiant 
cause. Yeah, yeah, that's know? true. So yeah, eventually we, we will capitulate. It's like society. I was saying yesterday. There's, you know, if you're raging against your machine over here, your rage is only part of a, is only your role as a larger cog in a larger machine. <laughs> you know, you do, you can't escape your status as a cog. There's always a bigger machine. It's turtles all the way down. Yeah, it's turtles all the way down. Machines all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we uh we got an outro track. Trev, yeah. just throw it on this. Just, just for the, you know, the sake of uh, poet, poetry, uh, I got one. All right. Until next week, two reluctant cogs, out.